You are listening to the Today I Found Out podcast, where each weekday we provide an interesting story that is going to feed your brain. You can read more great articles like this by going to todayifoundout.com. Hello and welcome to episode number 373 of the Daily Knowledge Podcast from todayifoundout.com. In the episode today, you're going to learn about why Dr. Seuss wrote his first book. And in the bonus facts section, you're going to learn a whole lot else about this author. Let's just get started with today's show. In 1960, Theodore Geisel, aka Dr. Seuss, made a bet with Bennett Cerf, the co-founder of Random House, for $50, which is about $382 today. What did they bet on? That Geisel couldn't write a book with 50 or fewer distinct words. Despite Dr. Seuss winning the bet by producing one of his most popular works, Green Eggs and Ham, using exactly 50 unique words, Cerf never paid up. However, Green Eggs and Ham went on to be Geisel's best-selling work, so he made out on it anyways. Geisel's first successful children's book, Cat in the Hat, also was the result of a challenge to write a book in under a certain number of words. John Hersey, a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, wrote a piece in a May 25, 1954 issue of Life magazine titled Why Do Students Bog Down on First R? A Local Committee Sheds Light on a National Problem. Reading this article was extremely critical of school primers. At the time, children were reading primers like Fun with Dick and Jane, which are anything but fun and don't inspire kids to want to read outside of what they are required. As a response to this, William Spaulding, director of Horton Mifflin's educational division, challenged Geisel to write a story that first graders can't put down, and he asked that it be limited to 225 distinct words from a list of 348 words that were selected from a standard first grader's vocabulary list. Geisel nearly succeeded using 236 words in the story, though the endeavor took him nine months, largely due to the word restriction. The original story itself was supposed to be about a king cat and queen cat, but queen wasn't on the list of acceptable words. Geisel then looked through the list of words and spotted hat, which obviously rhymed with cat, so decided to make a story out of that instead. The Cat in the Hat was published in 1957 and went on to sell around one million copies in the first three years after being published, allowing Geisel to stop working in advertising and focus on writing children's books. With his books, he not only wanted to help kids learn to read in an enjoyable way, but he also wanted to teach them how to think, which he felt was particularly important. As he stated, Children's reading and children's thinking are the rock-bottom base upon which this country will rise or not rise. In these days of tension and confusion, writers are beginning to realize that books for children have greater potential for good or evil than any other form of literature on earth. And now for today's bonus facts. The doctor in Dr. Seuss was in homage to Geisel's father's hope that his son would get his PhD, which he failed to achieve after dropping out of the PhD program at Oxford, where he was studying a PhD in English. Seuss was his mother's maiden name, as well as his own middle name. Interestingly, he did eventually receive several honorary doctorates, more or less managing to receive a PhD by dropping out of school. Bonus fact 2. The proper pronunciation of Seuss is actually Zeus, being a Bavarian name. However, due to the fact that most pronounced it incorrectly as Seuss, Geisel later gave in and stopped correcting people, even quipping the mispronunciation was a good thing for business because it is advantageous for an author of children's books to be associated with Mother Goose. Bonus fact 3. 
Geisel first used the pen name Seuss in college after being removed as the editor of the Dartmouth College's humor magazine Jack O' Lantern and being banned from writing for that magazine due to being caught drinking by the dean in 1925. He subsequently started publishing under various pen names, including T. Seuss. Two years later, he adopted Dr. Theophrastus Seuss, which subsequently was shortened to Dr. Seuss by 1928. Geisel had an alternate pen name that he also wrote under, which was Theo Lesaig. The Theo is short for Theodore, which is his first name, and Lesaig is Geisel, spelled backwards. Bonus fact 4. Geisel's first wife, Heather Palmer Geisel, was the one who originally convinced him to drop out of the PhD program at Oxford and pursue becoming a cartoonist. He met her in college with her telling him, You're crazy to be a professor. What you really want to do is draw. They later got engaged and married, and he dropped out of school to become a cartoonist, primarily working in advertising for the next 30 years as his principal way to earn money. Bonus fact 5. On this note of working in advertising, Geisel once stated, possibly humorously or possibly factually, I would like to say I went into children's book writing because of my great understanding of children. I went in because it wasn't excluded on my Standard Oil contract. Geisel's most famous ad campaign was one he did for Standard Oil, who owned Flit, a popular insecticide of the day. The campaign slogan was, Quick Henry, the Flit, which was more or less the got milk of its day, being a nationally famous slogan. Bonus fact 6. Geisel and Helen Palmer never had any children due to the fact that Helen could not conceive. He wrote his first children's book in the same year that they learned of this fact. He later made up an imaginary daughter named Chrysanthemum Pearl, who he dedicated 500 hats of Bartholomew Cubbins to, and would also include on family Christmas cards. Other famous children's authors who never had any children of their own include Beatrix Potter, Edward Lear, Lewis Carroll, Margaret Wise Brown, and Crockett Johnson. Bonus fact 7. Helen Palmer Geisel later committed suicide in 1967 after Geisel had an affair while Helen was struggling with cancer and other sicknesses. The woman Geisel had an affair with was Audrey Stone Dimond, who he married about a year after his wife had killed herself. Bonus fact 8. Geisel stated that his first book, and to think I saw it on Mulberry Street, was rejected 20 to 30 times. The exact number varied over the years in his storytelling, before he finally ran into a former classmate, Mike McClintock, who was an editor at Vanguard Press on the street. McClintock shortly thereafter signed Geisel to a contract. The character of the Cat in the Hat and the Grinch in How the Grinch Stole Christmas were inspired by himself. For instance, with the Grinch, I was brushing my teeth on the morning of the 26th of last December when I noted a very Grinchish countenance in the mirror. It was Seuss. Something had gone wrong with Christmas, I realized, or more likely with me, so I wrote the story about my sour friend, the Grinch, to see if I could rediscover something about Christmas that obviously I'd lost. Geisel's car license plate read Grinch. Bonus fact 10. This teaching kids how to think got Geisel in trouble more than once. For instance, his book The Lorax has been banned in some schools, particularly in logging communities. The book theme being about not exploiting nature, particularly not being favorable to greedy big businesses that do so without taking into account the environmental impact of their actions. Geisel's response to this uproar over The Lorax was, The Lorax doesn't say lumbering is immoral. I live in a house made of woods and write books on printed paper. It's a book about going easy on what we've got. It's anti-pollution and anti-greed. Dr. Seuss's Marvin K. Mooney, Will You Please Go Now, was purportedly about Richard M. Nixon, which Seuss revealed when criticized by political columnist Art Butchwald for never having written a politically-themed children's book. Yertle the Turtle is said to have been about Adolf Hitler and anti-authoritarianism. 
Bonus fact 11. Along with advertising and writing children's books, Geisel also wrote over 400 political cartoons between 1941 and 1943 while working for the New York City Daily Newspaper. Geisel was convinced the United States had no choice in the matter when it came to going to war and themed his cartoons to help convince and prepare Americans for what he felt was inevitable. These cartoons were later published in Dr. Seuss Goes to War. Interestingly, some of his cartoons depicted all Japanese Americans as future traitors and supported locking them up in internment camps camps, which he later regretted. Other of his political cartoons condemned racism in America against Jews and black people, which is more in line with later themes in his children's books, such as Horton Here's a Who. In 1943, Geisel joined the army and was appointed the commander of the animation department of the first motion picture unit of the U.S. Army Air Force. One of the films he produced while in that position, Our Job in Japan, was the basis for the Academy Award-winning documentary, Design for Death. Bonus fact 12. Geisel credits his mother for his gift at rhythms and rhymes. When she would put them to sleep at night as children, she would softly chant various rhythmic words and phrases. Bonus fact 13. Geisel once stated that he got all his ideas from Switzerland, near the Forker Pass. There is this little town called Gletsch, and 2,000 feet up above Gletsch, there is a smaller hamlet called Uberglatch. I go there on the 4th of August every summer to get my cuckoo clock repaired. While the cuckoo is in the hospital, I wander around and talk to the people in the streets. They are very strange people, and I get my ideas from them. On what made him so successful, Geisel stated, I don't write for children, I write for people. Or as he once told an interviewer, I think I can communicate with kids because I don't try to communicate with kids. 90% of children's books patronize the child and say there's a difference between you and me, so listen to the story. I, for some reason or another, don't do that. I treat the child as an equal. You just listened to an episode of the Today I Found Out Daily Podcast. Tune in every weekday for another great episode, or find more articles at todayifoundout.com.